electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The CEO of the nation's largest bank tells the White House we need a new Marshall Plan to wean the globe off Russian oil. But how do you do it? Well, you got to drill. New details about Jamie Dimon's pitch to the president after oil's topsy-turvy run. Oil was minus $35. That's not normal. Bingo was his name out. And cyber warfare could be Putin's next line of offense. But U.S. officials say we're ready for whatever comes. CNBC's Eamon Javers. A lot of this is about telling the Russians we know what you're up to. You don't have the element of surprise here. And then a lot of it is really prepping the American public for this might happen. Those stories plus baristas united. And isn't it great to have Joe, Becky and Andrew back together again? Bottom line but it's is, not, even if okay, you don't you guys like agree. End the conversation. It's Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Andrew, welcome back. It's good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Very good to see you. Good to see you. See everybody. The good snow was good. snow yeah. was good. You took it. You took it. Did something happen? Did something happen while I was away? I heard there was some vacation. In, in, in this day and age, every day. Some news. In this day and age, ten days or whatever it was. A bit of news. News dial time dial something. Uh, I don't know, but the snow was good. They, they always have good snow, I think. Snow was good. What? Snow was good. Snow was good. <laughs> snow was good. If there's no snow, you might not, not have had nearly as much fun, I would say, right? I got some nice tweets from our viewers who said, I hope that, I hope that the market's not going downhill. Well, that's pretty good. Ah. And there's a lot of bumps. Well, bumps. And bumps along the way. That's right. Yeah. And it comes down good quick and then for this morning, too. goes slow up. Yeah. I just paid five. Five a gallon. Paid five. How'd yeah. that feel? 87 um, Thank you, sir. May I have another? Is yeah. that how it felt? Yeah. Pretty much. For a rental car. Yeah. For, uh, well, and you don't, know what I thought about? I thought about That's not. Full, you know how you're supposed to fill it up to the top because yeah. you have to return it? And it's usually right. I would just let it go. Oh, oh at the end, the absolute, yeah. So the absolute end. Yeah. I thought to myself, you know what? No, no, no. Just, just, to, just so it looks like it's on full. Right. And then return. That's a way, because right, because right, right. there's a lot, you, there's a couple extra gallons once it hits full. A couple extra gallons once it hits full. Take, so yeah, you, but you, you know thought, what? I thought about that, and then I didn't, I didn't execute properly. Were you, was it a double, yes. of, and did you, do you feel guilty about how big this car was that you were driving around out there? No. For skiing? No, no. I was in like a little. Oh, you were? Uh, even with skiing? Even with the? Oh, yes. It didn't have a second back seat or anything? No, we or? did. You're right, because we were in two different cars. Oh, See, now, they were small now, cars, both of them. Now, now you're, now you're, but I was in the, I was in the, Ford, like a Ford Focus, what basically. Did, so, so, right. so, so. Well, my question is, what did those offsets run you? 
the carbon offset. Thank you, sir. It, it didn't, Thank you, sir. Did, so that there. was just as much. That probably was just as much as the as the gas. I, I, I know. You, I know you have issues. Uh, you know, Ford's going to have to start disclosing its. <laughs> yeah, its uh, everybody's going to have to. I know. For we're the gonna SEC, to, we're going to talk about that. Absolutely. Like, I saw no, you did. I saw normal, you Jay Clayton. I know. I know. But normal companies that have nothing to do with energy are going to have to figure out what their supply chain uses well, and what. No, it's not going to happen, Andrew. I don't think it's going to happen. It's crazy. We, we will discuss. Oh, no. We will discuss. Can Come we have on. To? Oh, we'll discuss okay. it all. J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon is reportedly pressing President Biden to take action on energy. According to Axios, Dimon has told the president that his administration needs to create what's called a Marshall Plan to develop more domestic gas and energy resources. Axios says that Dimon spoke to Biden and his top economic aides during a closed-door meeting with more than a dozen top executives, and he told them that more gas production is needed both from the United States and from Europe's energy security amid these soaring prices. Dimon apparently called for more liquefied natural gas facilities in Europe reduced reliance on Russian imports and investments in new technology like hydrogen and carbon capture. And guys, I've been a little confused by this. The Axios story was pretty thin on details. When you start talking about a Marshall Plan, obviously it conjures up what happened after World War II, where the Americans were financing the rebuilding of what was happening in Europe. Um, I, I get it if we need to build these these natural gas facilities in Europe and help finance that. But the Axios report was saying that this is an American plan for spending in America. And it seems to me like there's plenty of financing, plenty of spending that could be done. But what probably needs to happen is some more clear signs from the administration about what policies would be allowed um, before you see companies committing that kind of capital to it. I, I think it's a good idea to have somebody saying, let's get together and get on the same page and come up with a real comprehensive plan here. But I don't know that a Marshall Plan is necessarily the right way of describing this. Although, again, the details well, from Axios were up, pretty thin. Yeah, conjures up some weird thing. Maybe a Operation Warp Speed plan to just to, to start getting... That makes sense. It, we're not really rebuilding Europe after... I mean, that's what the, the conjures up. I, I mean, they need some help. Hopefully we aren't going to have to rebuild Europe after war. But how do you do it? This goes back to... Well, you got to drill. Well, no, I'm not, I, you have to drill. You have, have to drill because that's how you find the natural Look, gas. Elon Musk will tell you you have to drill. The question, though, is do you do it through tax incentives? I mean, right, right now, and this is where you and I have disagreed on this. Just got to get, get out of the way. Well, hold on. It's not a get out of the way. That's the thing. This is actually a get in the way. This is... This, this is effectively saying the government needs to effectively not get in the business of drilling oil, but effectively effectively get in the business of drilling oil. This has to be a government-led plan. Uh, That's what's so interesting about this. Is it, is it a government-led plan to drill, or is it just to say that, hey, we're going to? Help. The, the, the executive action that we saw on January 27th does not help. The, Zeit, the ESG stuff, the, but, the but constant. That's the, but that's the free market part about it. No, it's, that is the free market but, part about it. But that's, that's the point. The free market probably. Do. It's informed by what Right, and I think there's the plenty of money does. already in the private sector to it's do a lot one. of these right. things. Chicken if and egg. But the reason it's chicken and egg. Look, it, the private sector has not wanted to drill. Yes. For that's, lots that's, of reasons. For ESG reasons, for regulatory. But ESG comes. All starts but ESG, with government no, ESG, regulation. ESG is a private market situation funded by pension funds, mostly in Europe, by the way, that have pushed some of this here in the United States. That's what's happened. But, it, but, you, but that's a free market. That is the free market. The question is, how do you redirect the free market? I'm surprised you'd like to redirect H the free haven't market. Haven't you seen some, some of the, the articles about well, the free Russian disinformation funding climate alarmists here as well? Have you seen that? I have not seen what? that. Uh, I, I'll show it to One you. One thing I, 
Look, I'd, I'd love to hear Jamie Dimon's actual plan on this. And it's interesting to think of who was in the room for some of these conversations. I, I know it was some oil executives who were there. Bank of America was supposedly there. You've got Jamie Dimon representing J.P. Morgan. So there, there has to be some financing aspects to this that they're talking about. I, I guess I'm unclear on what those right. those projects would if, be if, that they'd be you, asking for financing if, help. The problem is if nobody you, wanted to draw because the pricing didn't make sense. By the way, putting ESG aside, point, the problem was it was it didn't make economic sense you, to draw. You've, you've seen you've seen the the actual quote from the president on the campaign trail. He said, "I will end yes. fossil fuel." Okay. Yes. All right. So but, that, but that, that doesn't give you pause for if but you're. That's not, but, but, why would if you were an oil company? Drilling, why would you invest if you knew? That was why would you invest if you knew everything was stacked against you? But why, look over why, the last you, decade. Why would you? Look over the last decade. Look at pricing over the last decade. Why do you think people didn't drill? Because of pricing of the over the last pandemic. decade. Well, the pandemic was one piece. Oil of Oil was minus thirty-five dollars. That's not normal. Bingo was his name. Up. That's not normal. But go before that. <laughs> Go before that. No, 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 look no. At, look. Can someone look at a chart? Andrew, I, God, I, I the, do think the, it's the been problematic that we've about had. keeping it in the ground. And now that you've succeeded, now you're saying we didn't do it. That's no, no, not no, no, the no. way it works. And that's not the way it works. It was pricing that did it. I, Look, I, I do this think that it's a, problematic to have different energy regulations every four or eight years, depending on which administration if you're is in. in Becky, if you're Jamie Dimon is probably talking about something. If you invest, you're not going to do that for shareholders. You're going to pull right. in. Your, and, that's but, what they but did. But that's what happened. Because, it, it because they were happened. losing money. But that's what the happening. You guys are saying the same thing. They're losing money <laughs> because of the over-regulation of the energy industry since January 27th, 2020. Oh, so you're, you're, you're just, you, this, this that's the exact, you've seen the executive order. You believe that's when they started losing money? Can, should the we go back? No. Should uh, we go back? And, uh, well, we can go to 2014. Quarter, quarter. Well, oil prices move around. We understand no, that. I understand but that. if the overall zeitgeist that the, the government is putting on hydrocarbons is that we want to leave them in the ground. If it doesn't make economic sense to drill, they don't drill. So you have to figure out how you want to set. Well, if if you it want doesn't to make economic sense because it's so expensive to build pipelines and so expensive to get leases and it takes so long to fill out all the paper. All part of it. And now okay, the SEC. So let's come together. Let's come together. No, we can't. Let's come together. I, we can't. It's impossible. The, the, because this Becky's going to come together with us, I promise, <laughs> which is that right. it's, it's a little bit of well, all. How about that? Can we, can we, can we agree? It, well, it, a, it sounds like this Marshall Plan is trying to do that. This this you idea is trying to be that because they want to talk about carbon capture as part of right. this. So talking it, it, about it, it, still taking stuff out of the ground and then finding some green technology to go along with that, which I guess is one way to try and bring the two parties together. And do you, do you think there's any part of the the climate lobby that has been happy about higher prices because it hastens the oh, transition I, to renewable. I renewals. think that there were people who were, who were happier about higher prices. Until they, they got they, them, and then they, they try to fill their SUV, and they're like, whoa, I'm, go no. I'm trying to go to this climate summit, and I can't, I've got to get well, on Until check. they realize it, 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 it's one of the most aggravating <laughs> because, factors for because voters, because it creates and you're real lose national security issues. That's why. That's why. And Be they, careful what you wish for, because you got it, there's, now you don't like it. There's no question. It. By the way, you're right on that. Be careful of course. what you wish for. I know. There's no question about but that. But the bottom line is, but even okay, if you, you guys agree, like oil, end the conversation. Even if you don't like oil, you got to drill to get the natural gas, which is the clean. And, and the other, do you know what? Do you know what fuels your EV? Hydrocarbons. No, no, because that's what look, fuels the grid. So you can't get around in it. In the immediate Wind. term, but hold on. In the immediate term, we need to drill. I think longer term, and I think even some of the stuff that Jamie Dimon and others are talking about, is investing in 
you know, green energy and other things that can be done in, in a meaningful way. The problem is you can't do it in the middle of a war in the Ukraine. That's, that's the story. You can't do it when it costs 10 times as much per gigawatt or whatever the hell we measure it by. You can't do it either. And the wind stopped. You saw what happened. In, where was it? The wind stopped and the frickin' sun didn't come out. And there, you can't power the grid. It's not ready yet. It's not ready for prime time. I don't disagree with we you. We need cold fusion. You, we need ponds and Fleischmann. But, but I would also argue if I said to you, we should just, or not we should just be, but five, ten years from now, we need to actually get to cleaner energy, you would say that's a fool's errand as well. So, so let's just like well, call When it we it get is. there and India and, and China have, have ramped up coal production, I, it is a fool's errand. And we're the ones that are going to see, so, see, so it's not. I think we'll I'm develop, saying, I'm I think we'll do develop it, mitigation. I'm saying you do it now because you need it. Well, I think I'm we'll, not saying do it forever. I think we'll have technology and to deal with And I think that's the, a difference. I think we'll have technology to deal with the issues that, that okay. come down we, the pipe. We're, we're, we're getting the hook. Next on Squawk Pod, preparing for Russian attacks beyond the Ukrainian border in cyberspace. CNBC's Eamon Javers on the White House's digital defense plan. It's not predicting an attack and it doesn't have specific intelligence of one in motion. What they're concerned about are these preparatory steps that put the Russians in a position to strike if Vladimir Putin decides to make that decision and order it. We'll be right back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm producer Katie Kramer. An update now on Ukraine. President Volodymyr Zelensky has called for more pressure on Russia as the war appears to be entering a stalemate. In his latest video address, Zelensky said about 100,000 people are still stuck in the port city of Mariupol and suffering under inhumane conditions. President Biden leaves for Europe today for meetings with key allies in Brussels and Warsaw this week. NATO leaders will meet tomorrow for an extraordinary summit on the impact of the Russian invasion in Ukraine. The president plans to announce new sanctions on hundreds of members of Russia's lower house of parliament later today. And earlier this week, the president warned of the possibility of Russian cyber attacks against the U.S. This was based on new intelligence. The magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential, and it's coming. The federal government is doing its part to get ready. It's not just in your interest that are at stake with their potential use of cybersecurity. It is the national interest at stake. Squawk Box's whole gang is back together today, Joe, Becky, and Andrew. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin getting the cyber scoop from our D.C. reporter, Eamon Javers. Eamon, how concerned should we be? 
Well, good morning, Andrew. We should be pretty concerned here, but the intelligence is not exactly clear. Now, the FBI told me late yesterday that what they're really focusing on is the Russian threat to the U.S. energy sector. And in Detroit yesterday, FBI Director Chris Wray said the Bureau has agents positioned so they can be anywhere in the country within about an hour to check if any abnormal cyber activity matches up with what they know about these Russian threats. Now, he revealed that the White House, uh, their warning yesterday is based on specific investigative and surveillance work that the U.S. government has done as they watch Russians scanning systems, researching victims, and developing access to systems here in the United States. There's a whole range of preparatory work, which is what we've been seeing. And so we have been engaged with certain companies and industries specifically to try to help them button things down to make it harder for those attacks to go all the way to the next level. But guys, the White House is also careful to say here that it's not predicting an attack and it doesn't have specific intelligence of one in motion. What they're concerned about are these preparatory steps that put the Russians in a position to strike if Vladimir Putin decides to make that decision and order it. Back over to you. Okay. Uh, Image Javers, thanks. In terms of industry, is there any hints, though, of what we should be worried about or thinking about? Well, what they're talking about is the energy sector and, and coming off the back of your guys' conversation earlier about the oil markets and electricity and everything else, you know, energy is the one vector that the Russians have into the U.S. economy that they've been able to use so far in this conflict. Uh, if they really put the, the, the uh, hammer down on the U.S. energy sector, you could imagine a, a huge impact in the U.S. economy. I mean, people I talked to yesterday were talking about the idea of, you know, colonial pipeline times 10. And we saw that that ransomware attack last year, you know, really closed down gas supplies up and down the east coast of the United States. If you did something like that with a deliberate intent of fouling up uh, the U.S. gasoline supplies, you could really have a dramatic impact on the U.S. economy. Uh, and the idea is, psychologically, you might be able to impact the American public's willingness to support the Biden administration's support for the Ukraine here. Uh, we'll see if any of that comes to fruition, but that seems to be the type of thing that the administration is, is warning about here. And the warning itself is interesting, Andrew, because the warning seems to be all about getting inside the heads of the Russians, saying, hey, we know what you're up to. You don't have the element of surprise here. Knock it off. And, and that calling out is something that we've seen from U.S. intelligence throughout the course of this uh, whole Ukraine conflict. It's a new strategy and seems to be pretty effective, at least so far. I mean, that was going to be my question. I, I, I don't recall ever hearing the, the, the president make an, a warning like this to tell people because it's not like consumers can go out and you know, stock up on gasoline or get their generators ready and say we're going to be ready if something happens. I don't, I don't know how effective that would be. But the idea of, yes, warning the Russians and then potentially trying to shore up American support if something were to happen to, to know that they would immediately blame the Russians and be there supportive for some counter measures. I mean, that it's a weird thing to try and message with this. You hear a warning like that. And, you know, those warnings could have been made privately to the heads of these companies, to the heads of industry. Um, making it publicly changes the whole perception. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've just never seen anything like this, Becky. I mean, you've never seen an American president, to your point, uh, come out and, and warn the American public that the Russians might try to take down uh, any U.S. sector uh, in the short term, you know, the next 24, 48 hours, something like that. And you're right. There's a lot of different levels to this, right? So one level is warning American businesses. They've done that. 
classified level, several hundred businesses. Uh, and we know that thousands of businesses were warned yesterday directly by the White House in a briefing that uh, we got some reporting on yesterday afternoon. So they are speaking directly to industry and telling them what they want them to do. But a lot of that stuff is stuff that they've been telling them to do for a, a while now, right? You know, all the basic cyber hygiene that they, they would like people to do. So a lot of this is about uh, telling the Russians, we know what you're up to. Uh, you don't have the element of surprise here. You're not going to succeed. And then a lot of it, to, to your point, is really prepping the American public for this might happen. And if it happens, here's why it's happening. And here's what we're doing about it. And that really shifts the political game and blunts the impact of any cyber attack, which, remember, would be as much psychological about pushing public opinion in the U.S. as anything else. Right. I mean, I get the feeling we're going to need to talk to you a lot more often uh, in the coming days. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Coming up. We haven't had a lot of details, but that hasn't stopped us from talking about it all morning. More on the Marshall Plan for U.S.-produced energy, a big idea suggested by the head of J.P. Morgan Chase, new reporting from CNBC's Leslie Picker. I do have a bit more detail to share about that closed-door meeting with Jamie Dimon and 15 other executives. And the rising tide of labor organization at Starbucks locations, this time workers in the chain's hometown saying yes to unions. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Straight up, I'm Becky. Cue it, please. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. All right, now back to a story we've been talking about all morning. Jamie Dimon calling on the White House to create a modern-day Marshall Plan to try and achieve energy independence. Leslie Pickert joins us with new details. And, and Leslie, we haven't had a lot of details, but that hasn't stopped us from talking about it all morning. I think the big question is, what, <laughs> what do they mean when, when they talk about a Marshall Plan? Is this something for American energy independence? Is this something so that Europe is independent from dependence on Soviets when it, or from, the, from Russia when it comes to energy? What, what, what does this really mean? Yeah, Becky, I think it's the latter. It's this idea, and he's drawing that analogy in that post-World War II period, as you mentioned earlier, this idea of kind of rebuilding Europe in a way that makes it more energy independent from Russia. Now, as you mentioned, I do have a bit more detail to share about that closed-door meeting with Jamie Dimon and 15 other executives, along with the Biden administration that took place. I spoke with a source familiar with the matter who said that Dimon is focused on what he described as a Marshall Plan for short-term energy security. He wants the government to be more aggressive in finding ways to reduce reliance on Russia and is urging investment in 
more liquefied natural gas facilities in Europe, and he wants more investment in new technology like hydrogen and carbon capture technology. That was reported earlier by Axios, but one other thing that the article didn't mention is that Diamond is said to be pushing for an easier permitting system for renewables, things like wind farms and you know, other renewable uh, energy sources. I've heard numerous laments throughout the years, actually, from big infrastructure investment investors about the big red tape bureaucracy that goes into building one of these. Diamond is urging the government to make it more streamlined so that more people are incentivized to build them. So his take is that in the short term, the government should be focused on energy security specifically as it pertains to Russia. Long term, the goal should be transitioning to a low carbon economy. Again, that's all according to people familiar with the matter. Becky? Did you get any insight as to the reaction from from the White House, from the administration when it comes to something like this? You know, I, I would assume that they are pretty much aligned on those goals. The real sticking point has been throughout this whole process is this idea of kind of compartmentalizing what happens between the short term and the long term? Because it's clear that in the short term, there is a major problem at stake with regard to just the amount of energy that's coming on the system and the ability to really siphon ourselves away from actors that we don't believe are acting in the best interest of democracy and so forth and the the things that the government has stated. On the other hand, there has been a stated goal, and this has been the case for years now, especially in the Democratic Party, to transition more to a low carbon economy, which is what a lot of these business leaders um, have also been pushing, Diamond, Larry Fink, and the like. And so how do you kind of pull those two things together at the same time, I think is the big, big question here. How do you, you know, establish priorities? How do you ensure that the investment dollars are going to, you know, the highest return, you know, at least in the short term, but then also in the long term, because that's what business is focused on. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no such thing as major investments that are going to be made for the short term when you're talking about these projects that take years to kind of bring online and to make plans exactly. for. Um, so short term, yeah, there, there is nothing there. Leslie, thank you. Starbucks baristas at a Seattle location unanimously decided to vote to unionize yesterday. That's the first time a vote like that has happened in the company's hometown. The Seattle store joined six other company-owned Starbucks cafes in Buffalo, New York, and Mesa, Arizona, in deciding to form a union. More than 150 company-owned Starbucks cafes have filed for union elections, all within the last six months. Starbucks operates nearly 9,000 locations in the United States. That union vote will be one of the challenges facing incoming interim CEO Howard Schultz, who's going to be taking over from CEO Kevin Johnson on April 4th. Andrew, while you were out, we spoke with uh, Melody Hobson, the chair at Starbucks, and she made it pretty clear that that is going to be the big issue. And the reason, I think, that Schultz is coming back in to kind of take over and try to work with the workers who are suddenly unhappy. We called and said, Howard, would you help us out during this period? And he agreed to do so. We thought at this moment, he's the perfect person, certainly the perfect culture carrier. And so he'll help us transition, help us on board a new leader. And we get all that for a dollar. He's gonna do it for free. We are not hanging on COVID as an excuse. We made some mistakes here. We didn't listen and we need to do that. We are 
bargaining with the and negotiating with the union right now. We want a constructive relationship. And Howard, of course, will be about that. But really, when you think about, again, why we're leaning on Howard in this moment, it's that connection with our people. And we think he is singularly capable of engaging with our people in a way that I think will make a difference. I saw the interview, and I, and I know how personally Howard takes the whole situation. I think it's fascinating to see him step back into that role in part because of this, uh, very, you know, seeing if he can take this head on because he's somebody who's thought of himself as a progressive, thought of himself as somebody who helped labor for so long. And I think it's, but it's also, it's, fra- it's fascinating. It, you know, the, if you talk to any CEO right now, they will talk about how I think employees are more fed up than they've been in a very long right. time. That, that that sense of anger is out there. And I think that's trying to get through COVID, trying to get through all the issues and the changes that we've dealt with in the country. It's clearly going to be right. a huge challenge. It's going to be very interesting to see Howard back. And the truth is that when you're a founder, nobody will ever love your baby as much as the founder. <laughs> that's that's the truth. And he will he will always love it. And so it uh, makes sense for him to come back. You know, back. I was adopted. Right. My parents love me as yes. much as, uh, what are you saying exactly? I'm saying that when you found a company. No one will ever love you as much you as your. Yes, they will. Your, so your you parents never chose just, you. My parents, your parents chose me. Chose I would have been, been SOL if I was depending this on these other kids. people. All I'm saying is when you found a company, the founder will always love the company more than anybody My parents love me, it. Andrew. It's the truth. My, that's, that's not, that, that was not my problem. <laughs> That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. It was great to have all three back together today. You can catch them every weekday morning on CNBC at 6 Eastern or follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts and get the best of us and a little extra anytime. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.